Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Before we introduce this week's guest, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Patreon's a great way to support everything Cool Tools does, including our newsletters, podcasts, video channel, and review website. This week, we want to give a shout out to Chip Riggs and John Paul Basola. To become a patron of Cool Tools yourself, visit patreon.com slash cool tools. Our guest this week is David Yoon. David is the New York Times bestselling author of Frankly in Love, Super Fake Love Song, and Version Zero. He's also co-publisher of Joy Revolution, a random house imprint dedicated to love stories starring people of color. David lives in Los Angeles with his wife, novelist Nicola Yoon, and their daughter. Hey, David, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing really well. Thank you. Right. It's really great to, to have you join us, and we're looking forward to all that you have to recommend us. Thank you. Well, it's great to be here. It's kind of a, a geeky dream come true because I've been reading Boing Boing forever. And so you know, a chance to talk to one of the founders is kind of cool. Oh, that's so <laughs> cool. Well, uh, likewise, David, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us. And uh, yeah, you have some really cool picks. So let's jump right into them. Tell us about the Moft laptop stand. D- describe what it looks like, what it does. All that well, good stuff. This thing is, it's its so ingenious because its it popped up on Kickstarter and I was like, I need this thing right away. Um, it's <laughs> its like this flat piece of, um, what is, it's the same material that the, the iPad smart cover is made out of. So that um, glass, mm-hmm. glass fiber board thing. Mm-hmm. And you stick it to the bottom of your laptop and it folds origami style um, to form a, a stand. And it, it raises your keyboard like oh, a significant height, like four inches. Nice. Yeah. So and you say it sticks. Is it literally like adhesive? So it's there all the time? Yeah. So it's just, okay. and it's about like maybe two millimeters thick. Okay. So you just leave it on there. And no matter where you are, like you can just prop up your laptop so that it's not, so it doesn't, you know, kill your neck um, and make it actually, actually uh, ergonomic. And yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, and you it always have two, a stand with you. Looks like it has two different heights. Yeah, you can. It's like a lower height and a which is about like two inches, and then the uh, taller one, which is like between four to five inches. And so, in the before time when I was traveling a lot, um, it was nice to always have something ergonomic because you never know when you're going to do work, like in an airport lounge or in a hotel room, and you can't always bring your whole rig with you. So this was a nice solution. So this is so this works on the laptop. It's very thin in terms of its thickness. It's you un, unfold origami style, but it also means that your keyboard then will be a slight angle. Is that an issue? I actually like it, um, and I've gotten so used to it that you know when I type on a flat keyboard, I feel like my whole world is slightly downhill. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it reminds me of you know back in the day when when every keyboard had to have uh, a little elevated thing in the back or every laptop had legs. Remember mm-hmm. those days? Um, yeah. Yeah. I do. That so was like so, a thing, wasn't it? It was like a requirement. Yeah. It was back when also laptops had to have handles too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember that. So so it's 25 bucks. That's not bad. 
And it's, yeah, it's, it's super lightweight. Like I said, there might be some color choices as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, super. It's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty cheap, and um, and they also I think they make stuff for like phones and iPads, and there's even like a standing desk folding thing, um, where it folds down flat, but you can unfold it to be a, a riser for your whole laptop. So that's super cool. That's yeah, great. Cool. The Moft or Moft M O F T laptop uh, stand. Yeah. Okay. That's are a there, good one. Are there, um, I wouldn't call them knockoffs, but are there s- competing products that are like this that someone might be confused or is this because I, it is so cheap that there's really no reason to have a alternative? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen any. I mean, the, okay. the closest thing I can think of is, yeah, no, I haven't seen any out there. Okay. I guess it, it, does, it, does, it is very ingenious because it, it's quite, I was just say, um, volumetric. There's, there, it, it is, there's a f- large thing, but it falls to this completely flat, as you see, two millimeter thick thing. That's very ingenious. Yeah, it's clever. I love clever stuff. So tell us about another clever tool that Duboco A plus bookstand. Right, right. So this, this is, it's really not like unique or anything. I just found it on Amazon because I was like. I'm in quarantine. I need to get off my phone um, because uh, I've just got, I, I, I was doom scrolling nonstop. Um, and, and it was a problem. Like, you know, when you're in constant fear and uncertainty um, and you just always feel like you need to know what's going on or otherwise you might die or something. Um, you know, we had, we had riots and we had cops gone wild and we had a, a, a virus. And, and so, after a while I had to come to Jesus with both my therapist and my wife and then they're like, they're like, maybe you don't read the news so much. So I actually stopped reading the internet entirely. Um, and I switched wow. to, yeah. And I felt this feeling I hadn't felt in a long time, which I felt like I was back in high school. Um, cause I was sort of the last time in my life that I was not constantly connected. And what I did in high school was listen to records and read magazines and read books. And back then I also had a book stand, um, because you know, you read books long enough and your neck starts to hurt. So mm-hmm. this thing, it's great. It's like a wooden book stand. Um, but it has, um, a little slidey dealy so you can slide it up like pretty high, about eight inches off the tabletop. Okay. Wait, um, wait. So, so I just want to make sure I have a picture for, this is a book stand that you would put on a table Yeah, and it, and it likes your laptop. It's kind of raising it up and at a tilted angle mm-hmm. higher than the laptop suit. So, I guess the idea is you don't have to hold it in your hands. You just put the book on the stand. Yeah. And you're sitting while you're reading it mm-hmm. or are you are standing while you read it? Uh, you can stand actually too. If you put it up on your, your kitchen countertop and raise it up, it's actually pretty comfortable. Um, and it's got these two little arms that hold the pages down. Um, and when you turn the page, you just unclip the arm and turn the page and reclip it. It takes, you know, it's no effort at all. So that's convenient enough. But the thing I discovered is that, um, around the house, we have iPad stands, iPhone stands, and what we've done is made it super convenient to look at screens. And so when you have this guy lying around, it makes it even more convenient than screens to read a page on a book. Oh, I love that. And so what winds up happening is you just wind up reading a lot. Um, oh, and- that's interesting. So, so like, so like I'm imagining like a, a house in every room, there's a little stand with a book open to a page. 
And yeah, exactly. As you, as you walk by, it's saying, it's whispering to you, read me, read me. <laughs> read me. And, and you, you, you just wind up reading. And reading is so much more soothing than doom scrolling. Mm. Um, and I'm just like way happier because of it. So now I'm just reading tons of stuff. What book do you have in there right now? Uh, I just finished uh, The Arrest by Jonathan Lethem, which was just this crazy zany book about the world has sort of ended, but not really. Like everything electronic has stopped working. He doesn't explain Mm -hmm. why. Um, And I'm starting in on Gun with Occasional Music, another Jonathan Lethem book. Oh, yeah. That's an oldie. That's like his first novel, right? I think that's his breakout like debut, yeah. And yeah, that, that was great. I loved it with a kangaroo detective. Ooh, don't tell me I haven't read it yet. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I also have um, Clara and the Sun, Kazuishi Girl's latest one, which I'm mm-hmm. super psyched to read. So yeah, cool. tons of books floating around. Going back to the book stand, um, how, how does the 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 arms or the thing keeping the book pages open? How, how do they work? What, what can you describe? I mean, I I kind of love this device because it's not clever at all. It's just. It's brute force all the way. There are these little spring-loaded arms with, um, they're dipped in whatever, vinyl or rubber to keep the tips from being sharp. And you you literally just bend it back and then stick the page under and it springs forward and it clamps it shut. So it's like very brute force, um, very old school, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> okay. And how much how much does it cost? It's, it's pretty cheap, like 30 bucks. A uh, fifth. $55. I spent $55 on that thing? <laughs> oh, there's a cheaper version that doesn't hide adjust. It's like, it's oh, not I as see. much. Um, okay. But I mean, for my mental health, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's in, I mean, it, it. I can see why it costs that much. Yeah, there's 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 one that doesn't hide adjust. It's 35 the one that sits on the table. It looks yeah. really nice, though. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's it's definitely not portable. Mm-hmm. So, uh huh. Set it and does, forget does it. Does it also collapse and lay flat when you're not using it? Um, yeah, you can fold it up. It it's still like an inch and a half thick. I mean, it's two two slabs of wood, so most likely you're just going to leave it. But I, that's what I recommend, just so that you don't instinctively reach for your phone um, when you have downtime. I like I, I, I like this idea of having um, more than one reading station in your home where there's yeah. always an open book that's, that's really that's, cool that's, that's genius <laughs> reading is fun that's really good it reminds me a little of that website called daily lit do you know about that one no, where no, you no, can no. you can pick classics anything that's in public domain and according to a schedule you set up it will email you uh, a little bit of it you know like three times a week or something and, and then it's a way to like kind of get through a book just by getting an email and you can read, you know, a couple hundred words a day. And, and is it actually reading the whole book is, is following through? Yeah. It's reading the whole book, but it just right. gives it, sends it to you in little chunks. Right. Right. Daily lit. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Daily lit. It's called. Huh. Okay. Um, I tweeted my whole book, but I only did the best one sentence on every page. Oh yeah. I remember <laughs> that, that was, that was really cool. Uh, so, um, David, how about another, um, tool, a Remo silent stroke? Okay. So I, you know, like most, you know, gaming nerds, I was really into rock band back in the day. 
Um, and, and rock band was was remind me rock what rock band was. Okay, well it all started with Guitar Hero. Remember Guitar oh, yeah, Hero, guitar Hero. The, okay. the plastic guitar with the five colored buttons, and mm-hmm. it was nothing like playing a guitar, but it was still <laughs> fun. Um, and then they did Rock Band, which was you know guitar, bass, a mic, and this goofy rubber drum kit. Um, but the thing is that with that kit, you could actually sort of start to learn how to play the drums. And so I got into it and my wife was like, you're getting drum lessons for Christmas. And I got more into it. Um, and I traded in my practice pads for an actual drum kit. But the problem is, you know, they're super loud. Uh, mm-hmm. You can hear them down the street. And so I tr- I've tried towels and duct tape and those uh, heavy rubber pads to mute them. But then you feel like you're playing rubber pads and not really drums. Um, and then I heard about these these drum heads, which are actually like the mesh heads off of a Roland electronic drum kit, um, except you fit them over your acoustic drums and they have the okay. same feel. Wait, wait, as wait. So, so I'm, I'm following slowly here. So these are actual physical drum heads for like a regular drum kit that you put, you take off the old ones and put this on, or do you put it over the existing drum? Heads? Well, you got to take off your, you got to take the original drum skins okay. off and then All put right. the mesh heads on. Okay. Um, and they make them really, I mean, there's, there's, you can still hear them, but they feel like drums. They play like drums. Uh, they're just like, like, I think it's like 30% of the volume. It's dramatic. Um, oh. And so my drum kit was sitting in the, in the back office, just not being played because it's too loud. Um, and now I was able to like put my drum kit actually in the living room uh, because it was quiet enough to play. So now I can just kind of jump on and uh, queue up a few tracks and and just bang out my stress on all the drum drum heads and then get on with my life. So instead of sitting <laughs> down for like long drum practice sessions, I would just play little by little kind of every day. Uh-huh. And it's awesome. So, so um, h- how does it actually work? Is, you say it's a mesh. So is the idea that there is like, it's like a screen and the air is passing through it. So therefore it's not as loud. Is that yeah, totally. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's think of a fly screen, but with a much higher density Um, because drum heads, drum heads are all about, you know, pushing volumes of air. Um, And when the volume of air passes through the mesh, it's, it's way quieter. And I I actually paired these with them. Zildjian makes these uh, quiet symbols. Um, and it's the same idea. A regular symbol is a solid thing of brass. The quiet symbols are perforated with all these little teeny weeny holes. And so the air that you would normally displace becomes a lot less. Uh-huh. And, but you, but you still retain that feel of, of playing on actual drums. And, um, you, you said these were the same things used on like a drum synthesizer or some sort. Oh, no, no. The, um, it's just that I was, uh, I, I, I started out on an electronic drum kit. And those are mesh heads as well, but they're linked to um, triggers. Um, and you can make them sound like anything you want. You can be a conga drum player or an electronic synth player. Um, but I really wanted to learn like acoustic drums because I'm all about barriers to entry. Um, if you got to sit down and then power up your, your drum kit, put on your headphones, uh, make sure you're in the right patch set, and then start playing even that little bit of effort can make you not want to play the drums. It sounds so dumb, but it's just like the book stand. If I have to take the book down off the shelf or find out where I was reading last or whatever, if it's not right in front of me, ready to go, 
then it will actually decrease the chances of me reading a book. And mm. I don't know if that makes me like ultra lazy, but mm. I try to remove all those barriers as I can to like healthy right. habits. Mm -hmm. So you probably leave your drumsticks on top of the drum. Oh yeah. Because, yeah. because then you can grab them. You have to look for them. You'd be surprised at how little it takes for me to be distracted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's wonderful. That's really great. Okay. Um, so these are called Remo silent stroke drum heads or something. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, those symbols. I love the way those symbols look with those holes drilled in them. Yeah. yeah I, I want to see the machine. I want to see the machine that does that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, hope wow. I hope it's a robot. Uh, <laughs> a lot of work. Uh, so let's see. Um, for your fourth one, you have um, adaptive note binders. Okay, so full disclosure, I'm a little biased on this one because I invented it. Um, <laughs> but I was it. It came out of uh, I had a moleskin notebook. Um, and, I had one of those too. Yeah, and they're real nice, and they're kind of too nice. Um, I would not use it for anything because you felt guilty. Yeah, exactly. Paper's too nice. I, I mean, I would just want to jot down some dumb note about, I don't know, anything or my grocery list or whatever. And I would never use it because I'd be like, well, it's, it's not worthy. My ideas are not worthy of this nice notebook. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, man, I wish I could just take pages out and rearrange them. Um, because I also, I tend to work on a few projects at once. Um, and so having one notebook keep all your project ideas organized in sequence is kind of tricky. You know, you gotta, there's different methods, but I was like, what if you could just take the pages out um, and put them back in however you want, and but still keep that same slim, you know, compact form factor. And so I spent a bunch of time, I mean, teaching myself how to make notebooks in my garage. And I worked with a- Oh, cool. Um, a machinist to figure out how to form the trick spine. Um, Cause what the sort of notebook is, is like you, you kind of bend it all the way back and the spine opens up and you can take the pages out and you, you don't need to punch holes in paper back. or like, imagine taking a book, opening the book and then uh -huh. taking the back cover of the book and bringing the two covers back together so that mm -hmm. the pages are sort of hanging free. Uh -huh. Yeah. So with the okay. sort of notebook, the pages come out of the spine channel because it's it's spring loaded, mm -hmm. and then you do, do what you want with your pages. You know, uh, recycle some, add some fresh ones, reorder them, and then you can just slide the whole thing back in, and you have a notebook that you know is is the way you want it. So the the spine is sort of a clasp that when the book covers are closed, it claps the stack of paid loose pages that are in between it and then when you pull back and bend back the covers it opens up that class and, and releases those loose sheets that's right that's exactly it it's like a giant binder clip that right. in notebook right. form and i mean i i god i don't if you ever invented anything i mean you know what it's like but i would not i would not uh recommend it <laughs> Why? because it's just so hard and um especially in manufacturing what's the hard part is like getting the manufacturing correct or getting it out and having people see it or what was what, what's the hard part i mean the hardest part was was um 
learning all this stuff on your own and especially like the stationary office supply manufacturing industry in, in Los Angeles, it's mm -hmm. super insular. And if you're not part of the network, then they won't, they won't give you the time of day. Um, Interesting. It's just tough. It's like, as a single person, I, I just wanted a few materials to experiment with. And they're like, so how many tens of thousands do you need? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> 10, you know, um, <laughs> Not to mention the whole patenting process, because it is patented. Um, that was, uh, the U.S. patent office is is a black box, and you just sort of, like, I thought the Apple App Store was bad. This is, it's worse. <laughs> um, yeah. It doesn't even seem worth patenting anything anyway, oh really. Oh, yeah. So, so are you selling these now, or is somewhere selling? Or if somebody wanted one of these, where do they go? Uh, Sorta.la. Um, cause they are made in, in Los Angeles, okay. um, in, in Huntington park, beautiful Huntington park. Um, so you have like a, uh, like an online ordering site or whatever, or Shopify or I'm not sure. Yeah. I set up a Shopify and I okay. have a business partner who makes notebooks fortunately. And so, okay. yeah, they're all made there. Um, are, are they sold in stores too? Uh, we're, we've been approached, um, I mean, like we have a contact for staples, for instance, but we're kind of nervous about that because then your margins get really tiny. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to, we're keeping it an online for now just to keep things simple. But, eh, you know, right now we have the one size, which is like a medium sized journal. Um, we have uh, plans for a pocket journal and also a letter size journal in the future. Um, we were going to do you stuff, but then COVID hit. <laughs> That that uh, place, you know, uh, shorthand in in Highland Park. Oh yeah, that, that that place would be like they would totally love it there. That the stationery shop that has like little notebooks and stuff. Have you heard of that? No, shorthand that sounds, sounds great. Yeah. And so the, the other idea is is you have like a retainer cover. Maybe you could even customize your cover, and then you could put all kinds of different papers inside, from you know grid, non grid. I don't know, handmade paper, I guess, if you wanted to. Um, that That's sort of cool. You could have whatever your favorite paper is. Yeah, exactly. And that's that was the whole inspiration. I mean, right now, if you go to sorta.la, you can see like dot grid paper and lined paper and like a to-do list. Um, and of course, blank paper. But it's, it's nice to just like, I like to keep my to-do list at the front all the time. Um, and just... I like things the way I like it. And so it makes your notebook really fast. And it also, it's weird. You only wind up using about 30 pages at a time because when you're constantly sort of rearranging your notebook, you don't need to carry around this thick, you know, 200 page mm -hmm. notebook, um, which well, is mostly an advantage of not losing it too. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, and, in the sense yeah. that if you lost it, you don't lose very much is what I meant. Yeah. Cause you've archived like quote archived all your right. pages right. in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. it comes in like basic black and red and I think gold and silver and some other stuff. Uh -huh. um, but it's it's been fun. The people who are into this kind of thing are like my, my kind of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, fantastic. Those uh, are really cool. I love them. So tell us about um, your newly released novel. I think it's called Version Zero. Mark has seen it. I have not. But tell us about it. Oh, uh, that's... Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun. Um, well, it's kind of a departure for me because I'm at this point I'm kind of known for my young adult stories, um, 
which are these really, really sweet, you know, rom-com coming of age stories. And so people are like, dude, why are you writing a thriller about the internet, you know, for adults? And I was like, uh-huh. um, cause I worked in tech for over 12 years. Uh, and so it was heavily inspired by my previous career, um, as a user experience expert. Um, and you know, user experience is like, what does the product look like? What does the app look like? But also like, how do we get customers to sign up? And once they're signed up, how do we get them to click on this or that? And so it's, it's this, I learned a lot about how the sausage is made, um, so to speak. And I'm like, you know, my daughter's eight and I want to keep her off of social media forever if I can get away with it. Um, just cause I just know, I know too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But, but not the internet itself, just social media. Uh, yeah. Social media is the biggest one. So, um, so your, your, your daughter doesn't have an iPad, um, I, right she she has an iPad, but she uses it only for like games and, and right, watching so Netflix. Yeah, but yeah. Um, the story revolves around you know this guy named Max, um, who is like this twenty-something, very smart product designer in who works in tech for this fictitious uh, world's largest social media company, mm-hmm. and he's super idealistic and he thinks that tech will save us and computers are awesome and the internet will bring us closer. This, it takes place way back in 2018, so um, that that explains a few things. But uh, he discovers that the company is doing nefarious things with the user uh, data, and he doesn't like it. So he blows the whistle, um, and he immediately gets fired, and he gets uh, blackballed in the industry. And so he really suffers a crisis of faith in the industry that he so believed in. Um, and so he embarks on this mission to sort of... Um, uh, hack into these the big five tech companies and expose them for who they are. Uh, and along the way, um, while he's forming his hacker group, he he joins forces with this reclusive ex tech mogul billionaire. Um, his name is Pilot, and it turns out that Pilot left the scene because he has a lot of the same grievances that Max does. And so they set about they join forces and set about taking the big five to task for their their sins against humanity. Um, and hilarity ensues. Wow, but, uh, yeah, wow. that sounds fun. Have you sent a copy to? Have you sent a copy to Corey Doctorow? Sounds um, like he would enjoy it, like for this little brother series. Yeah, I'll check because my my uh, publicist sent out a bunch of copies to get blurbs and all that. So, are you doing a? Are you doing a virtual book tour now? Oh yeah, yeah. It's all it's all virtual for the time being. Um, uh, and are there like? Um, uh, what kind of people or what kind of audiences do you do on a virtual book tour? Do they have like an equivalent of a bookstore reading or is it more like podcasters or I'm just curious talking about how the sausage is made. <laughs> well, well, what's the behind the scenes on your book tour? Um, well, it's, it's a lot of, and it kind of depends like uh, you know, this, this podcast is a part of it, but as far as events, it's always like a zoom event Um where we, for YA especially, it's with libraries and schools. Um, for on the adult side, it's um, like I'll, I'll be doing an NPR interview and and um, I'll be doing some more library stuff. And there will be a bookstore event, but that bookstore event will take place on Zoom. Um, and it's like good and bad because it's bad because you miss the people, 
It's always good to see the people, but it's good because more people would show up than in a physical location just because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. more convenient. Um, you probably had experiences I did of showing up at a bookstore where there's two people. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very <laughs> yeah. dispiriting. I've been to um, ones with did, zero did people you have before. Any- <laughs> yes, I know it's even worse. <laughs> if, if there's even one person, I will yeah, give my talk. Yeah, sure. Do my thing. If there's yeah. none, <laughs> oh god. Uh, did you have any tools that you use for for writing that you like? Are you a Scrivener user? Do you have other systems that you use for writing this? Do you you know storyboard it out, or you kind of just go from the seat of the pants? How, how, what kind of tools do you use? Um, honestly, I I just use Pages on Mac. Um, pages. What is Pages? I don't even know what Pages is. What's Pages? It's like the default word processing app on on Mac. It comes bundled um, really? with the OS. It used to be part of. <laughs> it's like yeah, word compatible. I've been using the Mac for like a hundred years. I didn't even know that. <laughs> it's a good. It's a really great <laughs> it, word processor. I love you, it. So you, rather than Word, you just use Pages. Well, Word kind of makes me a little crazy in the head um because there's just so much to it yeah it's over um that i just never use and but can pages I get... is streamlined enough that you just go and just use it oh yeah yeah and you know how word has that focus mode um no i don't it, it's like you hit the button and everything goes away um, uh, i didn't know that that's what i prefer and pages starts out like that you load I up see, pages okay. and it's just the words in you but can i get really geeky for one second um, yes please in word when you delete by word on Mac, you hit option backspace, right? Option delete, and it'll delete by word. So if you hit the delete key, you delete character by character. Oh, okay. And then on Mac, if you go option delete, you delete word by word. Okay. Now, on Mac, if you go option delete to delete the previous word, it will take you to the space, the, it'll place the cursor after the space after the previous word so that you can go option backspace and then just keep on typing. In Word, it'll take you all the way up to the end of the previous word. So then you have to re-add the space you just deleted Uh and then keep typing. And it's a little thing, but when you're jamming and you're in it, it it totally just becomes like this rock in your shoe and it drives me insane. (laughs) And, um, uh, okay. (laughs) It's a small thing. No, it's the small things that count, um, a hundred percent. Um, so, so you like to write in page. And um, and you and do you find that's all that you need to kind of write a novel? Is you don't have to um, do any other kind of architecting or cards or storyboarding or anything like that? Well, I mean, I'll do like a, a really rough outline, and uh-huh. I might do some like character studies, okay. um, but that's really just in another tab on in Pages. Oh, wow. um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I just keep it all there. I, I tried wow. Scrivener and I respect it a lot, um, but my mind is not that structured. Um, okay. So for certain writers, it's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and I mean, your, your story sounds very cinematic. Is that something that you had in mind? Um, um, I mean, I, t- I, turning I it really, into a movie? I really do like writing stories that where you can, you can see it and you can feel it. Um, mm-hmm. and also, uh, books where like stuff happens, people go places and they, you know, they have physical bodies that do things. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I just kind of write that way naturally. Um, if it turns into a movie, that'd be fantastic, but I'm, okay. I'm pretty happy with books. Wow. Okay. Great. 
And there's an audible version Is that part of your world as well. Yeah. Uh, so um, my first book was frankly in love. There's a, a audible version of that. Um, and also a film in the works um, under Paramount. Um, my second book is super fake love song. And there's an audible of that too. Uh, really fantastic performances um, by the the narrators. And then uh-huh. I just got contacted. Oh my God, this morning about an audible for version zero as well. Nice. So oh, congratulations. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. And um, again, kind of geeking out on the behind the scenes stuff. Um, your intro mentioned that you um, are co-publisher of Joy Revolution, a random house imprint. What does that mean being an imprint or co-producing or co-publishing an imprint? What is an imprint these days? Oh, so an imprint is just a little, uh, it's like a, pub, it's like a publishing agency within a larger um, publisher. So my publisher is uh, Penguin and my wife's is Random House. They happen to be the same company now. So they're pub, uh, Penguin Random House. Um, and within the publisher, they, there are all these little imprints. So uh, Nikki's, my wife's books are uh, published under Delacorte and they specialize in young adult. And my young adult books are published under Putnam, which is also another young adult imprint. And so they, the, each imprint has their own kind of specialty um, in, in like a really broad or very specific sense. So some imprints are very specific to certain topics. Um, some imprints are only nonfiction, for instance. And so with Joy Revolution, we really wanted to like, we really wanted to be like a safe space um, for people of color to read stories about themselves. Um, that are just about being human and and being in love, um, and sort of free of uh, the issues of racism and and oppression. And you know, those books are very important, the issue books of our day, because you, people need to know about the struggle. Otherwise, we forget. Um, but but also but, but the other books are important s- too. Do you serve like as as you know you you actually make assignments? You actually commission a book? You uh, you do all that kind of business of publishers having a budget and um, making the contracts and the deals. Is, is that all part of what you do as well? Well, I mean, we, we sort of um, assigned ourselves our own role. Like we, we will uh, advocate of course. Um, and then we actually read all the manuscripts. Um, I mean, there, there is, it's filtered. We have an assistant editor who reads everything and then gives us what the stuff that she thinks we would, we would want to read. Um, we're not involved in the numbers of the business because we are actually also working writers. And so we don't want that to mess with our heads. <laughs> so we keep that separate. But, um, what we're looking for in a manuscript is, you know, it's gotta be joyful. Um, just people of color falling in love. Really? That's it's, there's so many stories, uh, that I grew up with, um, that featured people who didn't look like me. And I never got to see myself as, as a romantic lead. Um, and neither did my wife, Nikki. And, and we've been talking about this for years where we were like, wouldn't it be nice to have a short story competition or, you know, we were thinking kind of small back then. Um, but as soon as we became sort of established as published authors, we were like, Hey, we brought it up, um, to Barbara Marcus, who's the president, um, at Random House, uh, kids. And she was down with it and she really supported it the whole way because she agreed, you know, there's just not enough love stories starring people of color. Um, we're always usually the sidekick or, you know, sort of a minor character or something horrible happens to POC characters. Like they get shot by the cops or they have, you know, in, in the case of Asians, they're like they have super thick accents and they're foreign. 
And so we really wanted to write characters that represented us and our friends and mm. the people we grew up with. Cool. I should send you a copy of my um, Silver Chord uh, graphic novel, which is a gigantic graphic novel, Ooh, 400 cool. pages long. It stars a young girl of color who is um, half angel, half human. Oh my God, I would love to And it has that. hackers that and robots, AIs, and everything That's else. That's a really cool book. That sounds amazing. Is, yeah. is, it, is it appropriate for an eight-year-old? It is. Oh, no I mean, way. I try to make it PG. Um the whole the whole way so um yeah it is then i'll make sure to, to read it before my daughter gets to it because when she gets her hands on it <laughs> she won't let it go because <laughs> that's right up her alley she loves she loves all yeah. that stuff um so well this is really fabulous um I, I really appreciate you taking time sharing with us some really cool stuff that we didn't know about yeah, I could. I feel like we could just Me talk too. for hours if we if we weren't yeah, careful. Totally, it's so great to uh, finally like get a chance to talk to you, and um, I'm so excited to read your book now that I have a copy of it. It's called Version Zero, and it says it will be on sale on May 25th. You can pre-order on Amazon, I suppose. Uh, yeah, the pre-order link is live, and um, and I'll be doing a few events. So check check my website uh, for I'll be posting events up there. Okay, and you'll probably catch me on Instagram too. That sounds great, DavidYoon.com. David, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and tell us about all your great tools and your books and and all that good stuff. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. Hey everybody, it's your host Mark and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Cool Tools show and I also wanted to let you know that we've got a lot more going on at Cool Tools than just this podcast. We also have the Cool Tools website which has a new tool review every day and you can get there by going to cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters that you can subscribe to and you can subscribe to those from the Cool Tools page. We have this podcast that you're listening to right now we also have a YouTube channel where we review tools. Check that YouTube channel out by going to youtube.com cooltools. And one of the things I'd like to ask you is if you're really enjoying everything that we are producing, go to our Patreon page and support us there. You can sign up and give us as little as $1 a month, and that would mean a lot to us. The money that we get from Patreon goes towards a lot of things. We transcribe our podcast interviews so that you can read them online. We pay for editing of our podcasts and for our videos. We pay our contributors. We have video production costs. We have equipment costs. We have hosting costs. And the money you give us through Patreon also goes to support Cool Tools Lab. Anything you give is a huge help. And one of the things that we do is if you are a contributor to Patreon, we'll give you a shout out on air. And so I have a few people here to thank this week. Mark Lyonage, Micah Gates, Monty Zukowski, Patrick James McNally, Robert Cohen, Scott, Spence Lloyd, Steve Avery, Steve Golden, Steve Levine, Tom Hess, William Phillips, Aaron Nipper, Darab Patel, Glenn Mercer, Jay Walker, Jeff Bonaire, Ryan Jarrell, Pat Daly, Patrick Kennedy, Troy Wallet, Mike Camerate, Nicole Harkin, Tim Youssef, Scott Reed. Thanks all of you for supporting Cool Tools. And if you would like to have a shout out, go over to the Patreon page and sign up. 
And thanks for listening to the Cool Tools Podcast. We'll see you next week.